What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hello, everyone. This is Dawn Richard and also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am so excited to have my guest today, Doug Gordon. Hi, Doug. Hey, Dawn. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have you here. You are this incredible renaissance man. Um, you are an award-winning, internationally renowned professional speaker, TEDx speaker, CEO, trainer, consultant, coach, certified mental wellness practitioner, master teacher, healer of five modalities, ex-premier National League hockey player, radio presenter, global goodwill ambassador, Global Man of the Year Award for Contribution to Humanity and the Global Women's Magazine, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Welcome, Doug Gordon. Thank you, Dawn. <laughs> I love your energy, and we're going to talk all about that. But the first, the first question that I wanted to ask you was, I saw this beautiful painting that your daughter did, and I wanted to ask you about that. She's really talented. Oh, thank you, Dawn. Yeah, no, my daughter is 14 years of age, but she's been through a hard time over the last five years because... Uh, her mother and I, unfortunately, went our separate ways. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, she was nine years of age when that happened. It was tough on her. But she has come through, as my son has, in just flying colors. It's beautiful to see them still, you know, not affected at all, loving children, kind children, and talented children. So she has the talent in the art, and my son has the talent in sports. So, and I can uh-huh. show you that artistic talent didn't come from me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he got the sports thing from you, huh? Yes, he did. <laughs> okay, so I want to I want to ask you because when when you have kids it totally shifts your perspective, I th- I feel. So, what were you like as a kid? What was I like as a kid? Uh-huh. You know, it's interesting, Dawn. When I was a kid, I was I would love sports and competition, but I would also love staring out of the back of the window. We had this beautiful orchard-like garden and I would stare and watching the leaves whisk in the wind and I would just go into a mindful state and I never realized what I was doing at the time but I loved it and I was always told by my mother and father that it used to hum all the time doing the um so who would I know really yeah wow (laughs) so I did this naturally and I found it very therapeutic and I was never taught anything and I've done that since I was a child and my mum became a healer, and then I didn't even realise. But um, obviously, you know, maybe there's something in there from previous lives or something like that that I really just kind of connected with in terms of that side of things. So it's about the energy of the fun of the sports and getting out there and, you know, getting involved with other people in terms of lots of different team sports, but then also the peace and tranquility of looking at the beauty of nature as well uh, by my own self. Even at probably nine years of age, I remember doing it. Wow, that's really fascinating. I was just talking to another woman um, yesterday, and she said all of the things that she's doing now, she did it as a kid, but she didn't recognize. And so that's this beautiful weaving of our journeys, right? 
Well, funny enough, I'll tell you a great story. And this is the story that will help people to realize the power that we all have within us. And it comes from a state of love. And when I was eight years of age, I had a girlfriend called Claire Hagen. And I loved Claire with all of my heart. A girlfriend at eight, that's so cute. She came around to my house and we'd seen uh, James Bond. So we used to kiss without tongues, but kind of like James Bond-like, you know, with our mouths open. Anyway, but my father came up to me at eight and a half and said, right, we're moving to England. And I was devastated, not because I was leaving Ireland or my friends and family. I was just going to miss Claire. So I, I prayed and visualized that I'd see her again. And I moved to England for seven years. And then after seven years, we moved to Brussels in Belgium. And going into the same class at the same time on the very same day was this girl, Claire Heggie. Oh, and, uh, you know, yeah. so that was a manifestation to the ultimate. And wow. that came from because I really, truly loved her, I have to say, as a, as a seven or eight-year-old at the time. So, there you go. so then what was your, did you recreate a relationship with her? No, because at 14 years of age, she was taller than me. So <laughs> that, that teenagers, you know, teenage girls like the guy to be taller. So uh, uh-huh. no, it didn't work out. But we were good, great friends, actually. And, oh, uh, that's so sweet. And we still are today. We still, we're on Facebook for friends as well. So that's so sweet. So what did you, what did you learn from your, um, from your experience in your sports? Because obviously, as a National League hockey player, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah, and just I know there's a lot of Americans listening, so that's field hockey. So field hockey is obviously in the Olympics and everything like that. And to put it in perspective, I played in the same team and actually captained the uh, coach for the Great Britain 2012 Olympic hockey team that made made it to the semifinals. Wow! So it was a good standard. And uh, during that time period, what I realised, you know, you can incorporate team play in sport towards organizational skills as well in terms uh-huh. of operations. Because let's face it, you know, before every match, I would practice, practice, practice. I would strategize. I would have a strategy book. I would mastermind with my teammates in terms of what we were doing in terms of the strategy. I would create positive relationships between everybody within the team so that we were good friends, so that we connected well, worked well together towards collective goals. And I would always look after my own self in terms of my nutrition, exercise, proper rest and everything like that. And my mentality and emotional state. So I was in the best possible state for the games when I played them. And yet when we go into business and we have an important pitch or presentation, quite often we forget to do that. So I think there's a lot of things you can learn from team play in sport that we could bring into the corporate world as well. And I do now in terms of my corporate training. And so how did you... How did you decide to get into business? Well, like typical most people, you go to school and then you go to university and you suddenly realize you need to earn a buck. So I, I actually did a degree in engineering and then a master's degree in computer integrated manufacturing, which is engineering based. And I was offered a job in an engineering firm, which was a foundry where you loads of soot everywhere and everything like this. And I went in and I, I came back with a suit on and it was like caked in soot. And my, <laughs> my girlfriend at the time, she said, don't even come near me, Doug, until you cleaned yourself up. And I just thought, you know what, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So I had a look around and I, um, uh, my father actually used to work for Fidelity Investments at the time. And uh, I asked him how much the chairman of Fidelity earned. And he said about 4.8 million. And I asked how much the chairman of the company, the engineering company, it was about 150,000. And I thought, right, I just, you know, I'm in the wrong industry. So wow. I moved into the financial world and uh, 
worked my way up from customer services to sales support, sales, sales management, sales directorship, and then head of sales and marketing, one of the biggest fund managers in Europe. And um, it was a fantastic time, I have to say. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the people side of it in terms of connecting with so many different amazing people out there that are still working in the industry as well. Were you always a connector? Very much a people person, yeah. My mom is is an amazing people person. Whenever we moved house to different countries and we lived in four different countries, she'd be rounding the neighbors up and, you know, having parties and dinner parties and introducing us and getting to know people. And I think that was one of the first things. And then in university, I didn't really enjoy engineering. I actually went to my university because of hockey. It was the number one sports university. It still is the number one sports university in Europe, if not the world. Uh-huh. And I went there purely for that. But when we were doing our engineering projects, I would get, uh, you know, a lot of the other guys would do all the grind work and I would do the presentation. And I, it was something that I always had a skill set in doing. Although in school, I remember having to read the next paragraph that I was going to have to read in front of the class because I was so nervous about speaking in front of people. Really? And now, and now it's funny because I speak in front of five people. I know, I know. It was funny because when I was, when I was reading all of your bio stuff, like I was the geeky girl who loved doing oral book reports. <laughs> I was the one that volunteered. I'll do it. And people are like, what are you crazy getting up in front of people? So I just sort of assumed that you, that you would be similar. So that's funny. You know, I was very nervous and I, you know, I insecure about what people would say about me in terms of how I relayed whatever I was reading. Uh-huh. And I would see people all around me and I clock how many it was until me, until I had to read. So I know which paragraph. And then I would practice in my head before I actually had to speak it. And I wasn't a good presenter, I have to say, until I was forced to in university and then obviously went into sales in uh, and, and sales in terms of communication, obviously, is very important. And that led to me improving in terms of presentation skills, because the better presenter you are, the more money you make because you have better communication skills to be able to you know, align and make good relationships with the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that your parents have good communication skills? Ah, oh, 100%. Yeah, my, my father, he was an orphan and then uh, worked his way up to be a multimillionaire. And he was actually president of Fidelity Investments. Wow. Um, he actually started up the whole of Fidelity Investments in Ireland, which is now a massive operation. Wow. So, yeah, I know. Look, he's been very successful in his communication skills. Uh, my mother as well is, a, as I said, she's a healer and you know, a yoga and coach and all this kind of stuff. And she's been amazing in terms of she's a very kind, loving person as well. So between the two of them, I had good parents, especially in the communication side of things, to learn from. What did you learn about love from them? Well, see, the thing is, I, I learned different perspectives from them. And we all are a product, basically, of our parents, our preachers, our teachers, and past relationships and experiences, right. as we all, all know. And, and just for everybody there, remember, that means that we all have different angles and perspectives on life. And that's why it's so important to always ask questions to understand rather than making assumptions about what the other person's seeing. Because I can see a color as yellow and you can see it as orange. And in terms of love, which I always say is lots of vibrant energy, uh, in terms of love, I, uh, my mom has always been very loving. And I remember when I was maybe, oh, I can't remember, maybe six, I can probably remember her, up until probably 12 years of age, she used to come into my room when I was going to sleep at night and rub my forehead and my hair. I used to love mm-hmm. her. And she used to say, Doug is such a good, kind, honest and truthful, caring and loving person. And he's always going to be loving and caring to everybody. You know. And she literally was like subconscious seeding in terms of what wow. she was saying to me on a, on a daily basis. So she was great in terms of that. My father... 
he he was very old-fashioned, like a great guy, very kind and everything like that, but always pushed me a bit, you know, so he was very highly competitive. Uh, because he was an orphan, uh, his dad died when he was two, his mum died when he was six. He wow. had to fend for himself. Wow. And there was no real money in terms of support. He was sent off to a pretty harsh boarding school and worked his way up from nothing. So he came from a different, different angle on it, but he still has a very loving heart, but he would push me and really, really push me as well. So I got two different perspectives in terms of yin and yang, but both molded well together in terms of learnings to help me grow. That's really, um, I, think, I, I, I think it's incredible because so many people experience such hardship and or, you know, challenges in their life and they carry that stuff around with them. And yet you, your dad turned something really challenging and negative. I mean, feeling abandoned. Uh, well, he was abandoned, not through any fault of anybody's. Um, but to, to figure out how to have this resilience to create something incredible for his life. Yeah, I have to say, look, the proof is in the pudding of the results. And obviously, you describe my results very kindly at the start of the podcast. And then my brother's a do- medical doctor. He was a surgeon as well and stopped being a surgeon so he could spend more time with his family. And uh, my other brother is a very successful um, businessman in terms of the finance mm-hmm. world as well. So look, in that respect, that comes down to good parenting. And they have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lovely grandchildren, including Aww. two of my own, um, who are all very kind, caring, loving kids who have lots of friends. And that's a testament down to grandparents and parents. So yeah, I'm very grateful for where I've come from and the grounding that I've had. Um, no, don't get me wrong. There's times where, you know, I got a good rollicking in terms of being told <laughs> off. Um, and at times I would say things about my dad, which I wouldn't like to repeat. But, you know. How old were you? 15, 16? Ah, uh, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. it's those teenage years when yeah. hormones kick in and everything like that. And, you know, you think your parents are silly. But then eventually you realize they have got your best interests at heart. And when you have your own children as well, you love them unconditionally, even in the hard times. And, you know, it has been hard for my two kids over the last few years because yeah. any marriage breakdown is, is hard for children because they look as their mom and their dad as their superheroes. Right. And they love them equally with all of their hearts. So I think it's very important. And it's been very a conscious decision for me um, to make sure that, you know, I actually get on really well with her mom, their mom now. And, um, you know, which is great. And that makes a big difference in terms of being able to go around, say hello. See, she's got a, a partner now and I've got a partner now. And everything seems to be working nicely, which is good. Mm-hmm. But I know some people don't always have it like that. So, you know, if you could be consciously communicating in the best possible way and just think kids, 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 win, 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 win. And that's so important in life. I hear so many uh, situations that the one parent is using the kids as a source of manipulation for the other parent, you know, to cause difficulties for the other parent. And I always, or even not showing up for the kids, you know, in order to hurt the other parent. And I think you're not thinking of your kid at all. Mm. Like to me, that just breaks my heart. It's like, you should have, it shouldn't matter what happened between the two of you. That's between the two of you. But your children, like you should want good things for them. You should want to provide for them and, and encourage them and support them and all that stuff. 
I know, uh, I know in my, in my own, uh, in my own marriage, my, my former husband, his dad left when he was 13. They got divorced when he was 13 and he had no relationship with him. I think he saw him maybe once when he was 18 and then had no relationship with him for 25 years. Yeah. I, I, I specifically, I've been offered, um, obviously, you know, did very well in the hedge fund world. And then when I left there and started doing the coaching, consulting, corporate training uh, and on stage speaking, I initially had to build up the business as everybody does. And I was offered some very lucrative deals then over in America, which I turned out because I wanted to make sure that I was here for my children in the years that they really needed to be. Right. And yes, I may have forgone a little bit of um, extra money. But at the end of the day, when you're 94 years of age, looking back at your life, you're not going to look back how much money you have. Right. You're going to look back at how many hearts you've touched. Mm. And that comes down to kisses, hugs, and kind words, especially to your own children, your family, and your friends, but also strangers as well. And I think on that point, I want to say that there's a lot of people who give, and they're really good at giving to their own family and their own friends because they're an extension of their own self. But I think it's so important to realize that's easy. And it's so important to give to others who don't benefit you back in some way or form. Give without the you know intention. Expectation. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's uh, that's unconditional love. I, I'm in a I'm I speak a lot in in a room about conscious love and unconditional love. And really, when you're talking about unconditional love, it's not transactional. <laughs> it's not I'm going to give to you and then you're going to give to me. And there's this expectation. It's I'm giving you I'm giving to you because I love you because. I want to, you know, help support you and encourage you. And I have no need for anything in return. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I believe in the laws of the universe in terms of positive and negative. And I do believe in karma. I believe in what you give out, you get back. But I do believe if you give out with that expectation, the universe catches you out and says, no, um, you have to give truly from the heart mm-hmm. and truly because you want to give, not because of that expectation. So I'm totally aligned with what you're saying. Yeah. So how do people learn to do that? Because I think so many times we're, um, you're conditioned to perform in order to receive love, in order to get love, you know, in order to get some sort of validation and recognition. And I think I, I feel like, you know, both of our work is really helping people align to that energy of unconditional love. So how do you help people who didn't come from loving family or, you know, encouraging supportive parents? How do you help people, whether it's in business or personally, how do you help people embody love, learn to embody love? That's what, what it really is. Yeah. So what I do, Dawn, is I, I try and use all different aspects of the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical sides of our own selves. And let's take a spiritual perspective, because I mentioned that first. So as I said earlier on, I, I did have a near-death experience where I died. I was encapsulated this amazing feeling of love, energy, and connection. Nothing like I'd ever felt before. And in my belief, and this is just my belief, uh, Einstein said that energy never uh, dissipates. It just moves from one form to another. Or right. Anyway. So based on that premise, I truly believe that we do come back down to this game of life, this planet, to play out different perspectives, to understand different ways of thinking, feeling, and everything like that. And based on that premise, if anybody's going through a hard time in life, maybe pat yourself on the back because maybe you played this game of life so often that you're testing yourself to the ultimate to see if you can still come out the other side as the best version of your life. And then turn your mess 
into a message and give it some meaning and help right. others in some way or form. And that's exactly, obviously, what we've been doing. And, you know, it's such a pleasure to be able to utilize all the crap that we've been through to help others in some way or form. Uh, because I really think that emotional intelligence is the highest form of consciousness or the most grounded form of consciousness. And that comes from self-awareness and awareness of what you've been through and being able to utilize that in terms of awareness with other people as well. And I think that's the key is to really look at yourself and think, okay, why have I gone through this? What's reflecting back in this? And how can I utilize this to help others in some way or form? Do you, do you feel like in your marriage that you were emotionally intelligent? Uh, in some aspects, yes. In other aspects, no. I mean, the main reason for the marriage breakdown, really, I had the near-death experience in 2012. And we just kind of went down different paths after that. Um, it wasn't really anything else. And then just after that, gradually, we just grew apart. And, uh, you know, I became much more into meditation and mindfulness and helping others rather than partying and having fun all the time. And I think that was just, you know, a change. But, uh, you know, since then, that change has benefited both myself uh, my ex-wife and my children actually as well so you know it's, it's been a good thing subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast leave five-star reviews and of course share with your friends you can find dawn on various social media platforms at dawn richard or at the awakening with dawn